Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler-heavy. You have been warned. Jennifer Albright. Welcome to the 40th episode of Have You Seen This? Congratulations to us and thank you for coming along with us on this journey through the wild and weird and wonderful world of bizarre movies. Uh, For our 40th episode, we have one of our most recurring guests. It's Mike Rosen. How's it going, Mike? Hi, it's going great. I'm glad to be here on your 40th episode. Um, I love celebrating accomplishments, so this is uh, perfect. Hell yeah, 40th episode, and I turned 40 this year. It's obviously a harbinger of something. I don't know what, but we'll say it's a harbinger. I can't believe you've been making this uh, podcast one every year since you were born. (laughs) I mean, you know, some people are a little bit taken aback by our annual uh, update schedule, but... You know, it's enabled us to maintain a very high level of quality. (laughs) Well, that's the important thing. (laughs) The other thing that I should mention is that uh, we have soft-launched our uh, page on Patreon. Uh, Since Patreon kind of forced creators' hands by saying they were going to move to a different fee structure, unless you were one of the creators who was grandfathered in. I think they said, if you're a founder, you, you aren't subject to the new fees. Um, suffice to say, there's no, it's definitely a soft launch because we don't really have it. We don't have anything up yet. No, you know, no bonus content or anything. But what we're planning to do initially is, in addition to our regular episode at the end of the month, we also want to do a bonus episode for the middle of the month. Um, but we'll keep you updated on that. So um, you can check us out on Patreon, but we haven't really we haven't hard launched yet. But we'll keep you updated on that. Um, Anyway, uh, Mike, do you want to let us know what we're talking about tonight? Uh, yes, tonight we're talking about a movie called Haxon. Um, I think that's the pronunciation. It's got a little umlaut over the A, so I could be a little wrong on that. How would you say um, that in German, even though this is a Danish movie financed by Swedes, but whatever. You know German, right? Uh, yeah, let's see. It would probably be, let's see. Uh, if the umlaut means it, it's the equivalent of having an E after the vowel, so that would be Hakeson. Hakeson? Hakeson. Hakeson. Yeah, just, just do it like in the Swedish chef voice. Hakeson. Bork, bork. So I believe this is a 1922 silent film all about uh, the history of witchcraft and... It's amazing. It's, yeah. It's a. Um, we tried to talk about this movie before, but we were we were cursed when we did. Um, yeah. Did Satan. Uh, Satan got a hold of my MacBook and um, bewitched me so that I only recorded one channel of audio, thereby leaving uh, losing half of a very good conversation with the same guests that you're hearing now, uh, Mike. 
<laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it's and... okay. It, it's okay because uh, this is a great film, and it's never. It's not like oh no, we have to talk about Haxon again. Yeah, it's uh, not like we lost short. like it's not like we lost the audio for one of our vile pervert episodes because I probably would have just stopped. I would have been like, yeah. no, I refuse. <laughs> It's really great that finally we get to talk about a movie that isn't about pedophilia. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to give you a break and not have you on to talk about another fucking pedophile movie. Yeah, we just talk about normal things tonight, like kissing the devil's ass and uh, eating toads and, and babies. So, you know, you know all, the, not great. all the things that we love to do. I mean, who amongst us has not pissed in a bucket and thrown it on a neighbor's door to curse him? Yeah, or or possibly who hasn't transformed into a cat in order to shit on an altar? <laughs> just just dudes being bros, you know? <laughs> or nuns being nuns. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely like nun. We we definitely have a little bit of a like nuns behaving badly theme going since uh, the last episode was the devils <laughs> and and there's also there's uh it's not as um it's not as outrageous as the nun orgy in the devils but there is like a uh nuns cutting loose scene in this movie yeah and this movie was fairly controversial when it first came out I believe <laughs> it was very controversial um but yeah like we'll we'll get to that. Um, there's a lot to talk about because uh, this movie is actually very, very rich. Um, I should shout out a book called Witchcraft Through the Ages, the story of Hexen, the world's strangest film, and the man who made it by a guy called Jack Stevenson. Um, I'm really indebted to this book because it has a wealth of information on uh, not only the movie and the circumstances of its production and premiere also as much biographical information as could be found about benjamin christensen uh the dane who directed this movie um i also had a more academic book but um i was too stupid to read or interpret it so forget that um <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> that's it the, the the stevenson book is very readable and uh very enjoyable um okay so this was made the same year as Nanook of the North. If you guys don't know what that is, it was a documentary by Robert Flaherty um, about uh, Inuit people um, and is kind of billed as the first documentary. You could argue that, you know, both of these movies could kind of lay claim to that. Um, you might say like, well, you know, Flaherty actually went out and, you know, filmed Inuit people on the ice floors or whatever, but also like half, easily half of that movie is like staged or made up. So, whatever. Mike, have you seen that one? Uh, a long time ago. The only thing I remember about it is the bit where Nanook tries to eat a record. Like, <laughs> Again, like they're yes. playing a record and he tries to eat it. And it's like, oh, these these simple Inuit people. Um, yeah, that's, and that's... that was that was staged. Like he like Nanook knew what a fucking. Uh, Victrola was or whatever, <laughs> like what they thought. Oh, seriously? Funny. Yeah. I just don't know what to believe anymore. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I think it's interesting because you said it was made the same year as uh, Haxon, and um, or I guess so I should it's... say like premiered the same year as Haxon. Um, I don't know what the production of Nanook of the North entailed, but oh, um, Christensen apparently researched uh, material for Haxon for like years, so. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, that's interesting because you could, I mean, obviously they're both, um, you know, silent movies from 1922. Uh, the documentary as a forum doesn't exist at that point. So they're really, you know, this is, um, they're, they're treading virgin ground. You know, there are no rules for making this, this art form at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, looking back on something like Nanook, where we're like, well, everything is staged. It's all, it's all fake. And that, that seems like a violation of the spirit of the documentary to us now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whereas at Haxon, everything is staged, but it's very clear that it's staged. Like they don't, they tell you this is staged. These yeah. are actors. Um, whereas Nanook tries to present it all as actual reality. So, um, and I mean, it's interesting because uh, audiences even today have a lot of trouble kind of telling uh, reality from fiction apart uh, in in media. Um, yeah. And you wonder, even though Haxon is uh, explicitly framed as being, you know, recreations, um, how many people kind of would have gotten the wrong idea from watching it? Uh, Not necessarily thinking like, oh, this is all actual footage of the devil, but maybe, (laughs) you know, seeing staged like witches' Sabbaths instead of thinking, oh, this is what people believed happened back then, actually think, yeah, this is a a recreation of an actual witches' Sabbath as it happened. But I'm kind of getting ahead of us because I think you know there, there's there's a witch Sabbath in this is what I'm saying. No, no, no it's totally it's totally relevant because um like y- you do raise like interesting questions about like kind of the the meta quality of the film because the way that it's structured I mean it starts with a really didactic opening segment which is literally Christensen lecturing to the audience. And he reinserts <laughs> yeah. himself at different points, like, you know, through the, the intertitles. Um, I mean, there's a point where he, like, name checks. Like, there's a point where he mentions one of his actresses by name. You know, he mentions her, like, outside of her on-screen persona as, like, an old woman. You know? So, um, like, he's bringing attention to the fact that you're watching something that is not real like as it's unspooling which is kind of interesting yeah and um again it's also like you said it starts out very didactic and i i found that interesting because um for several reasons uh one is this entire film like it starts out kind of didactic and then it goes bonkers with all sorts of recreations (laughs) of you know, witches' Sabbaths and uh, torture and all sorts of great stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it really puts me in mind of one of those 1970s Mondo films. Yeah, the, which uh, like, that's and that's kind of where like ethnography, like on film, like ended up for a while in the 70s. I mean, it, it seemed it was largely like you know I could be wrong. Somebody correct me if I am. I believe that the Mondo film was largely an Italian. <laughs> phenomenon but it did uh it it did have a pretty wide influence yeah well mondo yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but i mean just the idea that like oh we're we're showing you this and we're gonna we're claiming it's for educational purposes but we're really just gonna you know titillate you well um, and half that shit was fake too oh yeah yeah that that as well um 
And this one, they're starting out like, okay, we're going to educate you about witchcraft. Here's a really boring lecture where we're going to show you pictures. And literally, um, Christensen has like a little like stick that he's pointing at stuff in the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no reason for that that to be there. We he's showing us like a he says, here's a picture of the devil. He shows a picture of the devil, and then the stick comes in to point at the picture. Like, oh, yeah, you mean that picture, the one that fills the whole screen? Yeah, I wasn't sure where it was, but thanks for pointing it out. <laughs> the one with a very flamboyantly rendered devil is that what we should be looking at <laughs> yeah and, you know, i think it's just so he can be like look this is a lecture there's a stick that's how you know it's a lecture and once, he, once he you also... eat your vegetables <laughs> no sorry um uh say again i talked over you oh then one, once you've eaten your vegetables with this boring lecture <laughs> then it gets into the good stuff with the, the titties and the torture exactly um also um one thing that I'd totally forgotten about this movie, and I actually tweeted about it, is that the movie opens with Christensen glaring directly into the camera. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which fucking rules. I want, like, Gaspar Noe or somebody to do that now. Yeah, it was like when uh, when I, I, I forgot all about that, but when the movie starts, I was like, oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, um, obviously... This is an auteur wanting to put before, you know, the 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 notion had even, like, come about, but this was an auteur, like, putting a stamp on his own work. Um, but I wonder if maybe it was also because, like, he appears in the movie as the devil, like, in makeup. Um, so I wonder if he wanted to appear, like, both in and out of makeup. Yeah, he was like, look, uh, you might not recognize me later <laughs> on, but, you know, I'm... I'm a good-looking guy, so you know, <laughs> he, check it out. He goes, he he goes to a screening, and like when the devil appears on camera, he like leans over to his wife, and he's like, "That's me." <laughs> he's just like, "Oh, me, IRL." <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, oh yeah, one thing that I forgot to mention, like going back to Nanook of the North, um, there is a there's also a documentary called Nanook Revisited, which um takes a look at uh kind of the movie like uh geez like 70 years later um and this documentary is incredibly hard to get so if anybody can hook me up that's nanook revisited you know hit me up if you got a copy anyway um so we've been talking about benjamin christensen um we can tell you a little bit uh, his uh, biography um he was danish um, he came from a privileged upbringing and started as an opera singer, but found that when he performed on stage, he had a nervous condition that affected his voice. Um, he would be unable to sing or his voice would get like quieter as the production went on and people would yell louder. So <laughs> he was not able to continue his, his stage career, either in opera or, you know, he even tried his hand at regular acting on the stage, but, you know, again, he had the same voice problem. So, you know, he couldn't act, so he turned to filmmaking, and in 1914, he stumbled across a copy of the Malleus Maleficarum, and this is Mike's chance to shine. Uh, yes. Because, Mike, this has been a part of your life's work. Uh, can, you, can you tell us about the volume that inspired Benjamin Christensen? Yeah, so the Malleus Maleficarum, it's basically a, an, uh, oh, how much, well, and it's it's most basic. It's a witch hunting manual. It was written by uh, a an inquisitor, um, 
Heinrich uh, Kramer way back in um, the late uh, 1400s. And it is the book that basically tells you how to identify, uh, catch, and prosecute witches. It's the book that basically inspired the witch hunts, uh, which, you know, ended up with like, you know, about 60,000 people getting burned to death. One thing that I want to throw in here is uh, you mentioned that um, a figure of about 60,000 deaths due to the, the witch hysteria in Europe. Um, I was reading uh, a book by Shulamith Firestone, a second wave feminist, The Dialectic of Sex, and at one point she mentions the often bandied about figure that eight or nine million women were killed for being witches, and Christensen also repeats this quote-unquote fact in the movie, but um, uh, I think you made it clear that that is not a correct figure. Oh, really? Eight million? Really? No. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> when I was doing research, because I, I did a comic book adaptation of the Malleus Maleficarum, because I thought, what would be, wouldn't this be a great comic book? Wouldn't it be just hilarious <laughs> to like read about like how, how, you know, women were tortured and, and um, burned to death. That'd be really funny. We should, someone should do that. So I did. Um, but uh, when I was doing research for it, like the, the actual number of courses, we don't really know what happened a long time ago. We don't really have much in the way of, you know, records. Um, I don't know where the actual figures of 8 million came from, but apparently for most research that I looked into, um, 60,000 was kind of the, uh, I think I'm probably a more conservative uh, figure, but that seems to be the one that I heard a lot. Okay. Um, so, but uh, I know that it's not... It's, it's not definitively known how many people actually died. It was a lot. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, by the way, I really love Mike's adaptation of The Malleus. It is very funny. Buy it from your local independent bookseller. That's right. Um, <laughs> of which there are many right now, I'm yes. sure. Um, you were saying uh, Christensen got his hands on The Malleus, and that was kind of what inspired this film. Yeah, um, he got super into it he did um a few years of research and acquired a literal trunk full of books about witchcraft um which i think was later stolen so that's kind of sad but at least he was able to make his movie um he was also influenced by a neurologist called jean-martin charcot um who studied what they used to refer to as hysteria um you might have seen his um his photographs of hysteria patients in like different states of contortion or strange facial expressions or whatnot. Um, and this obviously plays into the end of the film, which kind of brings us to the modern equivalent of being bewitched, which is hysteria. Mm, yeah. you, you know, when your uterus detaches and floats around your body. Yeah, as it does. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, after several years of researching this, uh, Christensen uh, made this movie in Denmark uh, with the backing of uh, Swedish film studios. Um, you know, the, the production of this film is really kind of interesting to read about because, um, I mean, just watching it, you see so many interesting uh, photographic effects that were achieved, um, you know, 
like the witch's Sabbath, and then there are some uh, fantasy sequences. Um, there's even one with like a little stop motion little yeah, devil yeah. guy, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Suffice to say that Christensen poured a lot of his resources into this film, and um, one kind of funny and sad story is that when the movie premiered in Denmark, um, he actually had a paper printed up describing all of his literary sources and he left instructions for a copy to be placed on each theater or seat when he walked in he you know the papers were nowhere to be found and then later he found out that they just like chucked him in the alley behind the theater <laughs> <laughs> oh well i guess i feel like that that's very indicative of the the way that media you know the film is a media has uh, or or visual media has gone since that time period. It's like, oh yeah, you want to you want to know? Because he's like, ah, you know, this is really interesting. You might want to actually like, uh, you know, do the actual research yourself and uh, check out what it is. Uh, nah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we just we just want to see the funny pictures. Yeah. So eh, you know, which is actually uh, which is sad because speaking as you know, not not a professional strictologist or anything, but uh, someone who did read the Malleus and did a fair amount of research in adapting it. So a passionate amateur like Christensen, you might say. Um, <laughs> I was really impressed watching this with how um, with how accurate everything was because it did. Uh, it, it's fairly well done, you know, like I didn't actually, you know, I was expecting the first time I watched it's like, oh, I'm going to pick it apart and all the things I got wrong. And it's like, yeah. no, he, he, he did his work, you know, he did his homework. And um, obviously it's very theatrical and kind of, um, you know, ostentatious. Uh, but it's uh, I, I can't point to anything that's wrong in it. You know? He's got a uh, trunk full of books, bro. Well, what about that eight million figure? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, so you know, there are a few things that maybe like we've we've you know scholarship since might change, but I think the eight million figure was probably accepted at the time. That no, I believe I believe it was, and the fact that it was being repeated by Shulamith Firestone in the seventies like um, speaks to that the kind of durability of of that particular myth. Yeah. Um, but you know there are other there are like there are lots of little details in this like when they talk about oh the when you have a witch trial you have to lead the accused in backwards uh, and it's like <laughs> yeah that's that's straight from the malleus that's in there um, you know little little notes like that why does um, one have to lead the accused in backwards if a witch sees you before you see her she can uh, have power over you so oh, that I guess makes the idea sense. Is, yeah so the idea is the uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, you want to see her first, um, but you know, um, the only other thing, the only other thing I was like when they're like, well, they keep saying medieval technic, technically, actually the witch trials was the early modern period, yeah. <laughs> but you know, whatever. I mean, when I, when I adapted the book, I was like, yeah, fuck it. Medieval. I mean, you know, everyone, <laughs> everyone knows what it, when it happened. Medieval times. Oh, um, um, really quick aside, uh, didn't you piss off some Wiccans when you came out with uh, your version of the Malleus? Oh yeah, they were very mad that I was making fun of the Burning Times. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, uh, they were like, how, how dare he? And uh, I was like, well, you know, it's been five hundred years. I think, um, you know, we can laugh a little. Um, well, so Mike, yeah, a I bunch of Wiccans got mad you... about it. I can't believe that you just laughed off the curses of a bunch of witches. That's oh shit. Well, that actually explains a lot that has happened since then. I guess now I think about it. Um, I mean, somebody also, also, they probably came around and put like grave dirt in your 
your Chuck Taylors or something. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, you know what? I, I laughed off the uh, the curses of Robert Crumb as well, so, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You sent coffee to, to Robert Crumb. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't like it. I was kind of, I was, uh, I was a little bummed, but then, you know, I was like, well, you know, cause he was like, you know, it's very inappropriate. And I was like, what? I don't, yeah. I was kind of like, I, I don't feel like Robert Crumb is any in position to lecture me about what's appropriate to put in comics, but you know, whatever, you know, teach their own. You know, look up any like crumb depiction of black people and then tell <laughs> me that your book is inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say my book was significantly less racist than his work. So, you know, I think I, I'm kind of proud of that. Also, uh, um, as yeah. much as you know, as much persecution of women and torture um, as there was depicted in your book, I don't think there was any rape. No, no, that's true. Well, and let me just say this: all the women who uh, you know kissed the devil's anus and then, like, you know, <laughs> fucked him—that was all consensual. Uh, it's very clear that like women just in the Malleus, they say this women are extremely horny for the devil. Uh, that's and yeah, they're horny. That, for, that they, actually happens in this movie too. Yeah, they're totally horny from the devil. Real witches yeah. eat ass, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know, when you see the devil in this movie, you know, it makes sense. Because, um, <laughs> he is a hunk of man. Man, no, when he. When he just appears, like there's a one, one scene where like he just appears at some woman's window and like he just starts banging the window and he's like, hey, hey, you up, you up, and uh, <laughs> looks at him and he just starts doing that tongue thing. It's like, damn. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, what woman wouldn't go with him? Yeah, it was just like you know every time the devil, he's just like you know he's just working that tongue. So it's like, well. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a long ass pointy tongue too, so yeah. you know. There's there's also the re recurring motif of devil's churning butter, and yes. every time you see it, I wonder what <laughs> that means. <laughs> yeah, uh, li li it should be said lasciviously churning butter, as if there's any oh, yeah. other way to churn <laughs> butter. But just, just going at it, it's yeah. like yeah. <laughs> But yeah, horniness definitely figures into this movie. Um, probably, how much do you how much do you think uh, horniness figured into the persecution of witches at the time of the Malleus? Because they're, um, I mean, even just from your um, kind of abridged version of it, like the misogyny is really just pervasive and you know as we know um from fucking human history um misogyny usually goes in hand with uh angry or frustrated uh male horniness yeah so. um i would say extremely um <laughs> there's there's a lot going on i mean obviously in um the the uh culture of of you know europe when the book came out which um you know obviously was not particularly hospitable to women in many ways uh but very specifically the birth of the malleus was also kind of uh an interesting thing because the guy who wrote it uh, uh he was an inquisitor named heinrich kramer like i mentioned uh he was kind of notorious for um issues with women um apparently um he was um, you know, he was 
he was uh, originally accused of embezzling church funds, probably <laughs> to support a mistress of some sort. And um, isn't that always uh, he the got way? In trouble for that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and somehow he got in trouble for that, and after that, suddenly he seems to be very angry at women and how horny they are. Like, that <laughs> becomes, like, uh, the driving his, um, you know, his career. Basically, after this whole embezzlement scandal, um, when Kramer somehow gets uh, the ear of the Pope, uh, apparently even though Kramer's extremely unpopular and considered kind of a crank with almost all church authorities, he seems to really hit off with the Pope who, um, you know, kind of puts his, um, puts, puts his uh, support behind Kramer. Well, back then, uh, popes which, fucked a lot, too, so they did, he probably they did. understood so, yeah. the whole horniness thing. Oh, yeah, you know, pope, popes, <laughs> pope smash. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Kramer ends up uh, somewhere in Austria, basically trying to, you know, throw, throw out his weight. Um, and uh, there is a... It's, it's, it's from what I read it sounds like he basically sort of, he sets up tent and starts uh, trying to um, uh, you know get attention um, do some, there's a local woman in the area named Helena Schwerin which I will probably, probably mispronouncing it because I don't speak Austrian uh, <laughs> how different but, is that from German though <laughs> uh, the accent that's pretty much it I gotcha <laughs> yeah. But uh, basically, um, she starts telling people, yeah, don't go to this guy's lectures. He's a fucking crank. And um, she at one point passes him on the street and spits on him and literally says, fie on you, you bad monk. May the falling evil take you. Uh, which pisses him off, so he accuses her <laughs> of witchcraft. Basically, what then happens is uh, the judges at this point, witchcraft is basically considered maleficium, which means, you know, you, uh, you know, uh, do the evil eye, make some cow's milk go bad, little shit like that. Uh, Kramer in the trial decides, no, what's really going on here is that you are fucking the devil and you have fucked the devil a lot. And we're just that, I'm going to make that the point of the trial. Uh, which kind of scandalizes everyone. So um, Schwabrin, uh is acquitted. <laughs> and they uh, mostly the, uh, under the excuse that like witchcraft is not a real crime. No one really knows how to define it. Hmm. So you know that's that's the excuse they give. But mostly it seems like they just get really uh, uncomfortable with the uh, highly sexual line of questioning that's going on. <laughs> uh, so after this embarrassment, uh, sides. Well, I'll show them all. I'm going to write a book explaining exactly what the crime of witchcraft is, and that's where he defines witchcraft as an explicitly horny crime committed <laughs> explicitly by women. Uh, prior, it was mostly like. Uh, the medieval concept of witchcraft was something that was, you know, usually uh, little things like almost like pranks being done about spoiled milk and stuff, or else being perform something you could learn and uh, usually done by learned men in king's courts. Uh, mm -hmm. But after this, it becomes something that you acquire by going through a pact with the devil and, you know, fucking a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it checks out. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, there's a lot of things going on here. Um, I, obviously, uh, the author of this book had a lot of issues with women, but <laughs> I find it hard to. But I, I don't think that it would have found the traction it did if that if these attitudes weren't pervasive in general as well. Um, that women are horny and like to fuck. Sometimes the devil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. Well, you know, I mean, well, it's one of those things where you read it and it's it's um, reading the Malleus. It's the attitudes in it are uh, probably still very familiar to many women today where you're reading it. It's like women are extremely horny and they want to fuck the devil all the time, but they're also fucking frigid and will never put out. <laughs> Well, I mean, once you get that devil cock, like, you can't just settle anymore. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, when you've you've got, like, Mephisto blowing out your back walls, (laughs) like, yeah. (laughs) You're not going to go back to, like, Jesper the Printer or the fuck. I mean, that guy's just fucking sick all the time. I can't even get it up. Yeah, it's like... He can't even get it up. It's like he can't even be aroused when they're like, like you know, flinging hot lead at him. It's like whatever. God. Also, like everybody um, at this time yeah, had so plus, many fucking problems. <laughs> it's like you know, you fuck the devil, and then like as as we learn in this movie, you sire many many babies to the devil who all look like Alf, and um, yeah. That rules. Um, so, and to bring it, kind of bring it the long way back around to Hexen, do we kind of want to um, just kind of roll through the movie? It's a. Uh, now, um, fortunately, uh, this movie has not met the fate of, uh, I think, over 90% of silent films um, and been lost. Um, the original time was 104 minutes. That's also the length of the Swedish Film Institute print, uh, which we watched and is available on YouTube. Um, there's also a Criterion Collection edition. This was sourced from the original camera negative. Um, again, really fortunate that a silent film has survived in its entirety today. Yeah, because this, unlike most silent films, this one is good. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, um, I, find, I have found that... Um, there are good and enjoyable silence, but a lot of them are very hard for a modern audience to get into. Um, just by nature of the, of the way that they're made, we're not used to the acting style. We're not used to the pacing. We're not used to reading it. Um, yeah. Unless we're we are used to watching subtitles. Um, a lot of people don't like to watch black and white. Um, this one, obviously, uh, you know, is black and white, but it was tinted in the original release, and that was uh, replicated uh, for this edition of the film, Uh, because most of the scenes are either have tints of blue or red. Um, A couple interesting notes on um, later versions of the film. (laughs) This was re-released in Denmark in 1941, and uh, Christensen did a new filmed intro for it, because, man, he just (laughs) really loved talking directly to the audience, I guess. Man, <laughs> um, I would. <laughs> um, he's like, you know, you threw away my fucking flyers, so this time you're going to sit and you're going to fucking listen. <laughs> um, and I believe that this intro is also included on the Criterion edition, which um, is mm. fairly easy to get. Um, in 1968... Um, there was a version released by a filmmaker and distributor called Anthony Balch. Um, he was kind of like a beat exploitation filmmaker guy. He hung out with people like uh, Kenneth Anger. Um, and he did an abridged version of Haxon uh, with a jazz score and narration by William Burroughs, uh, the author. Jazz score? Yeah. What? Okay. I mean, hey, if you can do, like, a Giorgio Moroder score from Metropolis, because nobody's going to tell me that that fucking score doesn't slap. 
Now, I haven't seen this version, so maybe it sucks. I don't know. But <laughs> um, but one thing that I found very funny about this, this version um, is that um, there was a review by the avant-garde filmmaker Jonas Mikas. <laughs> he had this to say about this version. I urge you to see the film despite one unfortunate fact. The version which you'll see is the bastardized English version prepared by a well-meaning but obviously stupid young man, Anthony Balch. <laughs> Ouch. It's like, damn, stupid? Like, fuck, dude. <laughs> what's, what, what's wrong with the, the, what was wrong with it? Uh, that I don't know, and actually, um, maybe I should have done my due diligence and actually watched it, but again, it's on YouTube. Uh, someone ripped a VHS of it, so if you'd like to see the Bros version, that is also uh, readily available. Um, so, anyway, um, obviously, um, we highly recommend watching this one. It is a classic of cinema. Uh, very enjoyable. Um, but... Um, Mike, how would you describe his uh, Christensen's approach to witchcraft? Like, what is his thesis for the film, basically? Sure. I think he's mostly interested in trying to explain why this happened and why the witch hunts and the witch uh, uh, the witch um, paranoia became uh, such an issue, such a such a phenomenon at the time, and. Um, you know, there are in, in reality, there were like a, a fair number of reasons that contributed to it. Uh, he takes uh, a much more uh, he, he focuses on the psychological um, aspects of it. You know, some of the reasons why, like, you know, the, the fear of people had of the unknown, like if they're, for example, uh, in the second, we, we discussed the first part in the second part. Here's an example of a witch's workshop. Mm -hmm. as people would have imagined it back then. And it's basically Akarna, who is this lady witch, doing some, like, um, witchy thing. Someone brings her, like, you know, a, a, a bag of twigs, and she opens it up, and there's, like, a, you know, a dead man's hand in there. And she's got, like, a little cold dog skeleton hanging over it. And, you know, she's just doing witchy stuff. Um, and... Uh, I guess this is just kind of set the scene. By the way, this is actually a fairly effective horror movie. Uh, there's there's some good raising of the tension in this, and uh, the blue filters really – it looks like every modern horror movie now with those blue <laughs> filters. Um, but after that, it kind of gets into this, this – uh, um, the storyline, the main story is – this is he says this is i'm going to walk you through a witch trial from the beginning to the end and it starts with um you know a a, a fellow who's uh jesper this character jesper the printer who is sick um and his family gets kind of scared they don't know what's going on they think they start suspecting you know how do uh, witchcraft is involved and so they accuse uh, maria the weaver who's some weird old lady who just walks into their kitchen of being a witch <laughs> Um, you know, she gets arrested and uh, tortured and eventually just starts, you know, making things up to get even with people that she has grudges with. Yeah, this is um, the, the this is kind of the medieval version of uh, 24. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, and then it gets into the thing where uh, all the priests are also extremely horny and uh, having issues because they're all horny for Jesper's wife. A very uh, comely lass. Yeah, and so they all start like uh, accusing her of witchcraft, and it just shows the snowballing effect, which is you know accurate to how mm -hmm. witch, witch trials kind of worked. Um, and you know, again, he he does leave out a lot of issues like 
um, uh, involving like, well, he sort of touches on it. Like a big part of the witch hysteria was just that this was a time when like, obviously the Pope said, yeah, witches are real. (laughs) <laughs> which is a real and uh, we're going to listen to accusations of witchcraft uh, which he doesn't really go into that aspect of it but he does go into the idea that like wherever these witch hunting judges go that's where the, the madness follows which is accurate there are people who did that who if you you know like just kind of went around and uh yeah we're, we're going to come into your town and uh anyone who has a witchcraft accusation has come to us and we'll you know yeah oh, and again way, yeah. um this um this parallels exactly what happened in um, the film from our last episode, The Devils, um, where the uh, supposedly uh, cooler heads of the church actually just made everything worse. Like, um, the hysteria just spread like fire. Yeah. Um, There were a few interesting things in this, though, that I noticed. Um, One is, as this witchcraft thing is going on, he has this one little aside where these two guys basically... Uh, bring a body in and start dissecting it because they want to learn more about how to cure disease. Yes, there is a sincere desire for scientific knowledge. Yeah, which is interesting because even, and then they have that bit where those guys are like, before we do this, we should pray, which is interesting. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to contrast the uh, the godless witch with the uh, the good Christian uh, grave robber. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of, it's just interesting. Um and they never really follow up on those guys, but I think it was just, again, Christensen is, it, I, I feel like he was trying to, um, again, try to show, show like, why did, why did this hysteria happen? Like, possibly they were guys who were uh, actually, you know, digging up corpses, uh, and it wasn't just complete fantasy, that might have actually happened, and here's a possible reason why that might have been happening. Um, well, yeah, and I think also there's the, the, um, you know, I think he's also trying to show that, um, you know, this was definitely a time of, uh, you know, quote unquote, science in its in its infancy. Um, you know, because he be, he starts out the film saying, um, and, you know, this is directly from one of the inner titles. When primitive man is confronted with something incomprehensible, the explanation is always sorcerers and evil spirits. And um, I think with the um, the segment opening in kind of the witches workshop where she's she's she uh you know she has like a dead man's hand and she's gonna make a love potion for like a local woman who wants to fuck this fat monk um (laughs) oh yeah i love the fat monk yeah we gotta talk about the fat monk but um like i think he's making the point that you know everyone kind of believed in this shit you know like and i think that's i think that was generally true at the time that um (sighs) And, you know, maybe you can you can help me with this a little bit um, and let me know if I'm correct, um, because, you know, you had this like um, church driven hysteria about, you know, malicious witches, but people in their own personal lives often turn kind of surreptitiously to spells and charms from, yeah. you know, local, you know, healers or, or whatever. Um, so... You know, even these like, uh, yeah, like even these these uh, people who would be considered pious for the for the time are kind of trucking with the dead, you know, and corpses. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, a big part of it is just that, um, again, we're talking about like uh, how the Pope at this time had just said like, yeah, witches are real and, and we're going to, you know, we're going to prosecute them. We're going to build very, that wall. Yeah, which is very big departure from the medieval concept, which is like with it, generally the idea is the church was saying, yeah, witchcraft is bullshit. It doesn't it, It's not real. It's all fake. There's no such thing as witches, and the only people who believe in witches are like superstitious peasants. So, you know, there was people still turned to a lot of like charms and like um, you know old wives tale type stuff, but it was sort of um, it, it was kind of, it was it was something that was more tolerated uh, because everyone, the church's idea was like yeah it's all fake so who cares right um, and it wasn't until this this sort of uh, sea change, I guess you could say, where uh, in the early modern period, where it's like, oh no, actually witches are real, and this is a big problem. So we all this stuff that you know uh, until at this point, like a lot of people consider it no big deal, and then suddenly they're getting pulled in front of a you know a judge and jury for um, you know for things that like they like they pointed out like Christmas point outs in his movie uh, tying knots in the wedding bed. Which you know is just yes. kind of you know folk magic, uh, which people kind of like, yeah, whatever. But now suddenly it's a big deal. What was that supposed to accomplish? Um, I think it actually was supposed to make you miscarry. So Ooh. that probably would be a big deal. <laughs> that might not be a that might not be a good example of magic. that's no big deal, but uh, um, yeah. But uh, that's something that they he showed. But that is something that Christians brings up. Like, yeah, people believed in this sort of thing and and uh, that was something that well it's an interesting movie because like i like we said the beginning part he's like here's a look in a witch's workshop as they would have imagined it in the middle you know in in this time period mm-hmm. right and here's karna the witch doing all her shit and then later on it's like okay we have this segment where uh jesper the printer's wife accuses Mar- maria the weaver of being a witch and then when she starts naming names she names karna mm-hmm. i was like oh here, she's a witch too and it's weird because it's like well so the way it's framed is Maria is just naming names of random people who and innocent people are now being accused of witchcraft. But in the prior segment, they just showed Karna is a witch. <laughs> Karna is an example of what a witch is. So it's very it gets a little weird because it feels like he's not quite following the thread uh, that he well, set up in the. I think the thing is, is that, you know, Christensen realizes that, you know, these are people who are not um, as in, enlightened as as we are right now watching this movie in uh the enlightened 20s of the early yeah. 20th century um uh he's you know these are these are simpler people with beliefs in devils and demons and charms and spells um yes karna makes like cat shit and cadaver finger potions but <laughs> she has not literally kissed the devil's backside and like spit on a crucifix. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right, because that's when that, that woman comes and she's like, I really want to fuck this fat monk. I really, I, I, she's like, I, she is like, she is thirsty for the D. Mike, this, this, this fat monk, hot or not? You know what? Um, uh, I gotta say, 
Normally, I wouldn't really be into a fat monk, but I love his joie de vivre. But you, you gotta love it. I mean, I know, yeah. and I know he's supposed to be a figure of fun because, like, they, you know, he's like stuff in his face and like his food. Because you know, fat people they love to eat, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he like literally got like a like a giant cartoon ham that he's just like <laughs> taking big old bites out of, and. Um, <laughs> And, you know, this woman is, like, she's looking at this, at this you know, this this uh, grotesque, like, monk who's, like, spilling wine all over his, like, smock as he's, like, you know, shoving shoving a ham down his maw. And she's all like, yeah, I can't not fuck him. Um, <laughs> so she goes to Karna and she's like, Karna, how, how can I, how can I, you know... I, I need to like how can I get under those fat rolls <laughs> yeah how can I how can I burrow un, under that fupa and like find the <laughs> you know the tiny hidden uh, treasure within and Karna's like well you know what I got this I, I got I made this potion out of cat shit because let me tell you once once this fat monk gets toxoplasmosis he's gonna be all about making bad decisions so he is gonna be chasing you around the table like general half track chasing Miss Buxley uh, <laughs> in an old Beetle Bailey cartoon. Yeah, uh, there is there is a uh, Benny Hill-esque segment <laughs> of him chasing her through a grove. <laughs> oh, I love this. It's, it's great. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm really glad those two got together. I mean, they were really, it's they sweet. were just amazing together. Yeah. Um, uh, were there any consequences for, there, I know that there weren't any for, for the monk, but, uh, the woman, the woman who actually got the, the charm. I think she turned out okay. I think things went alright for her. Um, and I think she's building. Um, obviously, there. I don't. There are no credits on this movie. Um, you know, because they they didn't do credit crawls at at the time. But um, looking at uh, a cast list um, on Wikipedia, I believe that this is the character described as the old maid. No, okay. She's not that old, though. <laughs> no, and you know it's funny. Well, maybe she was she was old by you know if you're a spinster, you're old by medieval standards. I don't know. Yeah. Um, she, she does have bad teeth, but everyone in this does. Yeah, there are a lot of really bad teeth in in close ups in this movie, but I I I think that was just like uh this was way before the the time of of uh, obligatory uh caps and dental implants and white strips for people on camera yeah so yeah. <laughs> um uh but yeah like uh i guess and th that's funny like calling her the old maid because it's like you know there's like that extra implication of like well you know like no one wanted to marry her so like of course she's gonna go for this this disgusting monk this monk who probably has a whole cape on like under his neck fold <laughs> let me tell you when this monk hangs around the church he hangs around the church <laughs> <laughs> this monk also uh, loves lasagna and hates mondays <laughs> It's pretty hot, is what we're saying. <laughs> so, um, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Mike, who is, as we all know, the dean of everything erotically fat, has declared that this shit is indeed hot. That's right. It's, uh, this is, the monks are now officially good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's all downhill after the fat monk scene. The rest of the movie's not quite as good, but, uh, <laughs> 
but then after um, this very highbrow humor, but no, like um, there was something else that I was going to say about the oh, and but that's and one last interesting kind of interesting thing about the monk scenes is that they're um, they're framed as the fantasies of the old maid requesting the spell. Like that's oh, that's, right. that's pretty clear, right? Because you know that kind of, that's kind of like emphasis on her, you know, her staring off into space with a suggestive smile, and then you know, cut to like, you know, the monk like running after her in the woods. Yeah, yeah. So that's Which, right. We never see if it actually works or not. <laughs> Christensen is making a commentary on you know, the factuality of all this witch stuff. I mean, you know, yes, uh, there are quote-unquote witches who will make love spells for gullible spinsters, but the effects of the love spell are something dreamed up by the recipient of the spell. He's making a comment on people's belief in witches, um, you know, not not based on anything scientific, you know, based on suspicion and lust and fantasy. Yeah. Does that follow? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, again, like as you go through this, uh, even the next segment where he go, they talk, they have the witches Sabbath. Yes. Um, oh, no, sorry. Not, not the Sabbath this part. Um, there's this bit where they show uh, a witch Apollonie or Apollonie, Apollonia, Apollonie. I think she she pa- passes out and then has this very vivid dream of like you know the devil showering her in gold and and like all sorts of weird stuff going on, and it's implied like yeah the witches believe that they have these powers and they get these favors from the devil for worshiping him, but. Really, they're just having dreams. They're just, you know, hallucinating this. Yeah, and um, Christensen is is showing you the motivations of the the people who buy into these ideas of of witchcraft. That you know, these are be- these are people looking for um, basic, you know, their basic needs to be met. I mean, you know, like sexually, or um, you know, in the case of Apollon, um, she wants showers of gold. You know, and yeah. a place to sleep. Like she wakes up in a really nice room, in a plush bed, like covered in a shower of gold. It's it's like completely like material comforts. Yeah, I mean, even then when she goes to the next room, you see there's this like this feast spread out of like you know boar's heads and like roast duck and everything, and it's just like yeah. Uh, and then she sees just some people dancing and wants to join in on a, a dance. So like you said, it's all it's it's very you know. Maslow's hierarchy of needs type yeah. stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's like a, a there's like a little a little party going on with people dancing and like animal heads. Like maybe uh, it was maybe it was an early fur con or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. This is a very furry movie. <laughs> <laughs> it it, it kind of is. Yeah. Well, like the great scene where the 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 witches turn into cats and they come out and you're like, they're just people they're wearing their fur suits. <laughs> And at least one person on the set was like, "Wow, I feel like I'm my true self in this yeah. suit." It was like it's yeah. like the Monty Python mouse problem sketch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, anyway, it, it kind of continues from there. Um, again, it shows you know how how these things spread. Like when they in the next segment they have um, you know Maria the Weaver being the one being brought in and accused of witchcraft, and uh, she starts accusing people. She's very basically she basically just outright says this person was mean to me i accused them of, of being part of a witch's coven and then this is the excuse for <laughs> which is for... funny because um not it's sorry to interrupt you but mm -hmm. that's something that i want to point out very explicitly is that um earlier in the film when um anna the printer's wife uh goes to tell the monks that she thinks maria the weaver is a witch um the monk that she tells is like you know, this is really this is a really serious thing to say about someone, and I want you to swear on this crucifix that you and her aren't enemies. Yeah. But yeah. once they get into the torture of the old woman, it's like that pretty much goes out the window. It's like, oh, like this 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 woman that I hate, like, yeah, she's a witch too, whatever, and they're like, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, more things change and more they stay the same. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like call out culture. Oh, <laughs> uh, God, I can't believe it. It's like when I see how the, the church is torturing witches, I've got to say the Pope is canceled. <laughs> this is early in poll. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, they, this is the bit then where Maria starts describing the witch's Sabbath, which is really like the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, um, and that's the one which um, it has shown up as, as stock footage. In other movies, um, I think some of some, I think some of the footage made it to uh, an early exploitation film, Maniac, um, mm. in the kind of uh, psychotic dreams of the protagonist. Um, you know, it's made it to a bunch of other movies. Um, also, you know, the movie is in the in the public domain, so if, and um, circulated in sixteen millimeter prints for many years. So. Um, uh, it actually didn't appear in the U.S. until a few years after it was made. I think hmm. in the late 20s. Um, Interesting. He screened it in New York um, for the New York Censor Board. And not only were they, like, put off by it, they fired the head of the board and they insisted that Christensen leave the New York hotel that he was staying in. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, Some people can't appreciate art. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so um, The Witch's Sabbath, to get back to the earlier point, The Witch's Sabbath is kind of the iconic portion of this movie. And Mike, you mentioned earlier how this movie is very, you know, accurate to uh, descriptions from the time of which is Sabbath. So um, does it also hold, hold true for the Sabbath sequence here? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously, uh, descriptions of witches' Sabbaths were pretty much uh, all over the place, but they just agreed that, like, yeah, they all get together. They, like, you know, stomp on a crucifix. They kiss the devil's ass. And uh, sometimes they fuck the devil. And, um, you know, uh, that basic stuff like that. Um, yeah, all so the things all that accurate. you do on a Saturday night with your girls. It's squad yeah, goals. Yeah. <laughs> you smear um, yourself with... What is it that the witches are supposed to smear themselves with to fly? Oh, a flying ointment, which is yeah. You you basically uh, it's a uh, it's an unguent uh, that is made in uh, traditionally supposed to be made out of uh, bat's blood, 
uh, chimney soot, the fat of un- unbaptized male children, and <laughs> belladonna. And you smear this all over your body and, um, you know, and uh, the active ingredient is most likely the belladonna. And suddenly, for some reason, you feel like you're flying. <laughs> Is Belladonna psychoactive or just poisonous? I believe it's psychoactive. Um, I've heard uh, some theories that, you know, the big thing with witches and broomsticks is you put the uh, the psychoactive Belladonna ointment on the broomstick, which you then insert into yourself, so you fuck up your, you use your broomstick as a dildo. I don't know how accepted that particular theory is, but it sounds great, so... Um, <laughs> that I'm sounds like it. something that, that came around in maybe, like, the fifth or sixth version that was that was told <laughs> you know it's like that, yeah that like honestly, like oh yeah. shit the, these women are going to witches sabbath oh man you hear the shit that they do there dude i hear they fuck themselves with broomsticks it's fucking sick I, dude i feel like when i hear that i feel like that's like that sounds like more of a, like a new age wiccan rehabilitation of like this shit where they're like oh you know all that like stuff the cartoon witches do well actually it's all uh it all has roots in actual like you know strong women of the middle ages doing their own thing you know rather than like <laughs> It's like, you know those pointy hats that witches wear? Well, actually, those are from, it's like, oh, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's like, no, I believe those are from uh, Bewitched. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, but no, it's like, no, actually, it's, uh, um, I don't know, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, so there, yeah, some of, so some of this is, is, is accurate. There's obviously a lot of embellishment going on in Christensen's version, like the skeleton horse that just walks around in the oh, background. Man. I love that horse so much. That horse is great. <laughs> and it's obviously just like, um, like a couple of crew guys, like with a blanket over them and like holding out a horse's head in front of them and just walking around, but it's cool as shit. Yeah, uh, so that's great. And they also another bit that I really love is when they're the devil just kind of opens up his cloak and he's got like a little door and like a little <laughs> devil jumps out with a drum and just starts dancing around. <laughs> it's great. There's there's some really uh, creative stuff in this. Um, I mean, it's actually I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, the horror movie, you know, didn't really exist. I guess in 1922, but this does a really good job. There's some really genuinely creepy stuff in it. Yeah, um, it is. It is kind of a proto horror. Yeah, I mean, like some of the bits were like you know where like they just show this devil in silhouette in a graveyard and like kind of summoning sleepwalkers to him. Yeah. And Oh, or fuck when, you know, just a bit where, like, the, the monk is, like, he's writing in a book and the devil just, like, pops up. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's, like, it's funny, but then they show the devil kind of standing there and he's got his big monster hands on the Bible. And it's, like, that's actually a little unnerving to look at. Yeah. Uh, Christensen definitely plays Satan with gusto. So yeah. hats yeah. off to him. After the whole Sabbath, um, you know, once once Maria starts accusing people, we get another interesting sequence where um, uh, I think it's Anna gets gets thrown in jail for being a witch, and there's this really long scene where they're they're based the monk the the monks are trying to trick her into confessing. Yes, and it's it's again you know this is actually kind of um, difficult to watch because it's um, you know they're, they're they send the one monk that like I, I and he says yeah just tell me how you witches make it rain and uh, we'll let you go and you know and she's like no i don't know anything about that and they just keep badgering her and finally they like bring in her baby and they're like maybe you should uh talk or something real shame if something happened to your baby 
you know, and she's like, fine. She's like, fine, I'll tell you. And then that the fat monk jumps out of the wall and he's like, aha, we caught you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's psychological torture, basically. In fact, Christensen dedicates like a specific segment to the torture devices. Yeah. And actually that I thought was interesting because, um, you know, you see a lot of, uh, Nowadays, especially if you watch, uh, you know, History Channel or something, mm-hmm. they'll be like, where, where every, every, every second um, documentary they have is, you know, about like ghosts, and the, all the others are like uh, wackiest medieval torture, you know. <laughs> um, and they'll be like, we'll, we'll just bring out like, we'll bring out the most fucked up torture things you can see, and um, most of those torture devices that we see in those are just total bullshit things like the iron maiden or pair of anguish are just made up um but the ones that christian shows are all actual torture devices um you know they're not as flashy because they're basically most of them are just like okay we're gonna like beat you with a big hammer you know (laughs) um but they're effective and they you know it's still kind of disturbing to see you know the very kind of clinical way they just like you're going to demonstrate how this works you know just like have a volunteer um you know sit here and we'll put the hammer next to their their leg yeah and um at one point um and christensen inserts himself uh to address the viewer directly he says one of my actresses wanted to try the thumb screws so he shows a shot of her having the thumb screw applied she's kind of like laughing but you know there's a point you can tell when they close it down and she she yells because you know like that, that shit's fucking painful yeah um and yes. we again going back to uh last month's episode the devils um where we saw uh, our main grandier um tortured by ha- basically having his legs pulped um yeah. there's uh there's a similar device in this film as well someone has their legs enclosed and you know the end result is that their legs would be broken like just to smithereens uh, they would yeah. essentially be be disabled for life yeah but i mean again it shows you don't need you don't really need to invent very fancy bizarro torture devices you just very very simple but effective you just yeah, smash them up and it's like well you're fucked bro and it's funny too because um you know um the the torture devices which you say are the ones that were actually used um Again, like, they're pretty basic. I mean, that you have your limbs broken. You know, you're not going to be able to walk. You're going to be disfigured. Um, And these... A lot of these... uh, Some of these devices which have a more, like, salacious element to them, like, you know, specifically the pair of agony or whatever, you know, because it's like, yeah, you put it in your ass or your vagina, (laughs) and then they open it up. It's like, it's... it's, um, that kind of later edition of like you know the extra frisson of like you know degenerate sexuality that goes with it is very interesting you know because of course like you know we discussed this that you know at the time like all these these guys persecuting these women were totally afflicted by horniness and that was a factor in it but um you maybe maybe the tortures were a little bit less baroque and is uh, humankind advanced and and got more um, creative. Like the tortures also got more depraved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I uh, could be full no. of shit. That's just me talking out. You know, holding forth out of my ass. So um, <laughs> if we have any um, 
early modern period torture experts out there, please feel free to email <laughs> info at haveyouseen.us and uh, tell us in detail. Yeah. Um, I mean, and let's be real, like, I'm sure a lot of these women were also sexually assaulted because, you know, um, uh, rape is often a crime of opportunity. I, I, I've never heard of a situation where a, uh, a vulnerable woman would be raped by her, uh, her captor, especially not if he was a man of the cloth. Exactly. I, mean, I, I just, I just don't think that happens. No, certainly not in the Catholic church. No, no. Which is a totally normal institution. Uh, <laughs> not at all depraved. No, no. It's not, not at all an international baby rape mafia. <laughs> that occurred to me when, um, you know, in the storyline of the the horny monk who has his wrist seized by the desperate printer's wife, and he's like, "Oh, it burns like a fire," and then the next thing you know, like his his boner just like won't go down. Um, so he, pr- he probably <laughs> yeah. can't leave his his closet without the other monks pointing at him and laughing. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, like, the, he does that, and the, the witch is like, "Bro, we got an ointment for that." <laughs> <laughs> If you, if you have an erection that lasts longer than four hours, uh, put on a hair shirt and flagellate yourself. <laughs> or use this ointment. But yeah, there's, there's literally a sequence where this guy requests another monk to whip him because his thoughts are sinful. And I'm like, fucking Catholics. They love this shit. They love it. Well, well yeah. <laughs> what else are they going to do with their time? Have more babies? <laughs> Well, yeah, and again, um, this is really these these movies really are perfect bookends. Like going back to the devils, um, you know, you had uh, cloistered women with like nothing to do, you know, and eventually they just lose. They, you know, they see one hot priest and they lose their goddamn minds, <laughs> you know. And there's, you know, again, there's a scene, and there's a scene in this film of nuns kind of like going into a frenzy of like of altar defilement and dancing yeah um now that that scene was interesting they don't really play up the sexual aspect of that so much i thought it because the nun sees the devil and he's like hey here's a knife for you you can stab a stab a um you know a, a communion wafer yeah. and then all the other nuns see it and they like do that thing where they suddenly scatter but then they all start dancing so <laughs> <laughs> it was just interesting because I was watching that and I, I I didn't really pick up a lot of you know sexual undertones in Christensen's uh, take on this mm-hmm. uh, phenomenon even though I think you know as we saw I think the, the take that we got in the devils even though that is uh, again a, a maybe not 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 attempting to be as documentary as this but mm-hmm. probably more accurate to uh, instances of uh, you know convent possession. Well, yeah, and um, these were things that were documented in um, Aldous Huxley's book, which was the source material for the film, The Devils. Um, And there was, like, a hugely sexual component to the the torture and exploitation of these nuns. Um, You know, they were basically... And, you know, these are from sources of the time. They were just completely made out uh, a spectacle out of, and it's like, ooh, like, they're going to blaspheme today, and then this one nun, like, puts her ankles behind her head, and it's, you got to see this, dude. Um, Went to the Tijuana nun show. (laughs) This this nun shoots communion wafers at her twats. (laughs) I mean, 
maybe maybe in Christensen's time, you know, probably like you know maybe the nuns like um, rending their habits and like grinding on a crucifix would have been a little much. I mean, he was definitely pushing the envelope at the time with even with just what he depicted. Um, I guess maybe I'm was missing it because now that I think about it. When the devil is giving her the knife. You know, there's nothing. I mean, well, the devil is doing that usual tongue thing again, which yeah. is you know extremely lascivious. And oh no, uh, he's just doing it because he's real excited. Yeah, and I guess you could even just say like, well, you know, in the subtext, a knife is a very phallic object, so yeah, maybe like he's this giving her his knife. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, but I just yeah, I mean, pick. even the, sorry, sorry. Um, finish what you were saying. Oh, I was just saying I just didn't pick up. I was just saying, like, now that I think about it, maybe I, I just didn't pick up on this uh, subtext because I was like, because I wasn't feeling horny when I saw the movie, when this bit of the movie, so. Because basically, I saw the fat monk, and I, I was, and I, and I jerked off, and so I was, like, kind of spent. <laughs> I just didn't feel it when it came to this part. <laughs> I, I, I blew my load in part two of the film, so. <laughs> you know, it's like I, didn't, I, I didn't have anything left by, like, part six. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah couldn't even like... master half a chub for the torture devices just this was all dust at that point like mummy dust <laughs> <laughs> you know like churn so much butter you know <laughs> god damn it <laughs> you know and uh, we talked a little bit about this in last month's episode but even just the defilement of an altar or a communion wafer or the you know the bit at the witch's sabbath where you see these young women like eagerly stomping on a crucifix like that would have been pretty intense shit at the time yeah yeah um <laughs> now you need to draw that fat monk <laughs> yeah all of my all of my uh, the otp fat monk and old maid <laughs> you could always gender swap the fat monk oh that's right that's right were we we were talking about the nun frenzy and yeah. uh, sexual imagery in the movie, which is definitely I mean we'll say we'll say that the sexual imagery is there. Um, you know, you have naked women embracing the devil. You have uh, lascivious butter churning of the devil waggling his tongue. You know, it's not as it's not as crazy as the devil's, and it doesn't it doesn't go to the same places as the devils because I think like the um, the devils both the source book and the film are indictments of structures um, like the church um, yeah. like that's a factor in Haxon but I feel that Christensen's approach, because he's he's coming at it from like a scientific, psychoanalytic angle, the the scope is is narrower. Yeah. Um, it's kind of I don't want to say reduced to individual madness, but I mean this is a madness which happens in small spaces. Um, yeah. And you mentioned earlier, like you know, there isn't much dis there isn't any discussion of the fact that the the pope had declared around the time that the malleus came out that witchcraft was real um they leave the pope out of it um he does discuss the hypocrisy of religious figures but it it's not really an indictment of the entire church which is kind of interesting 
That's right. Because, um, uh, yeah, like you said, it does – he does say, like, the witch madness follows these – he, he kind of – the um, – the, uh, the title cards refer to them, you know, continuously as learned men or pious men, and it sounds very sarcastic. Yes. I'm sure it's intentional. Yes. Um, and so while he does, you know, very obvious, he does, he obviously is very cognizant of the fact that the church is responsible for these things because he doesn't really, um, he doesn't really uh, give you. The, the, but the impression that you get from watching it is, uh, oh, oh, it's a few bad apples. It isn't really <laughs> – you don't get the impression of, yeah, that, that the church as an institution is in any way bad. It's just that there are bad things within it and, um, you know. Yeah, and it, it, it's – and I'm not, not necessarily maligning uh, Christensen for this approach um, – <laughs> You know, uh, he, I, I think he, he was also, um, maybe restrained a little bit by the time that he was making the film or maybe, you know, maybe he just wasn't interested in making that critique, you know, he's making a, a different film, but it's more the kind of thing where, you know, if you say to someone, um, for example, you know, we've, we've been hard on the Catholic Church a lot on the show lately, um, especially <laughs> in light of recent developments. Um, and it's the kind of thing where if you say... Wait, 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 wait why? Is it, has the church done something bad recently? <laughs> <laughs> I have these documents. No, um, <laughs> you know, occasionally, you know, you'll say to somebody, and, you know, as someone who is no longer Catholic, you know, I feel comfortable in saying, you know, the church, the Catholic church is an institution, is an evil institution, you know, it has perpetuated misery across the globe, you know, on the bodies of women and children, you know, it is a bad institution. And it's like the same kind of thing you get when you, for example, criticize policing in the United States. You know, people will say, well, that's just like, that's like a few bad cops. You know, it's just like some pervert priests. Like, you can't malign the entire church, you know, which neatly removes the responsibility of these structures that allow these quote unquote bad apples to operate. Yeah. So um, I think that the the Devils comes across as a much more brutal and cutting commentary. Um, Hexen is um, it is a very trenchant commentary on um, I think human society, but it's 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 very generalized mm, in the way that yeah. we often talk about. Um, witch hunts and hysteria. I mean, even the term witch hunt has been overused to the point of almost uselessness. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but... No, that's, that's fair. Um, and I mean, Haxon, the thing is, while, I, while it is, I think, like, fairly accurate when he's... Or I should say, um, you know, his, his take on the psychology of what was going on uh, feel, feels very... Um, apt you know it's like you you watch and you're like yeah this this it I mean, i'm no psychologist but it all it all fits together in a way that's like it makes sense it's a, a a logical understanding of what happened uh but he doesn't 
you know, there's it's not like this is a movie where he ever mentions any specific names or incidents or historical <clears throat> uh, facts in any way. It's just here's a thing that happened. Here's a bunch of you know dramatizations of how you know a typical happening in this time. Mm-hmm. But but you're not actually getting um, you know any. Um, but but yeah so so the the conclusions you draw from Haxon are again they have to be kind of yeah generalized i guess uh to some degree just because you know he, he you're not you're not getting um any specifics it's not a materialist critique of the witch hysteria yeah <laughs> um oh but but i totally forgot something i do want to mention speaking of cops Yes. There's a little sequence during the uh, interrogation of Maria the Weaver where um, they, they say a couple of honest gentlemen try to induce her to uh, confess. And uh, <laughs> it's very clearly like a good cop, bad cop thing. Because yes. like, there's one guy, he pulls her over and he's all like, you know, like, hey, he's, he's smiling and he's like kind of like, you know, slapping her on the back and everything. And this other guy grabs her and is like very clearly screaming at her. And they just kind of yank her back and forth while doing this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, OK, um, it's, again, another another little sequence that's, you know, kind of played for comedy in some way, but it's actually kind of, um, you know, a little uh, difficult to watch as well. Um, it yeah, reminded me a little bit of those two guys in The Devils, you know, those two uh, kind of clownish doctors who, yes. you know, they're they're played for comedy, but you're seeing them do like really horrible things that really, you know, uh, destroy people. Yeah. Again, the um, kind of the the low the low status bullies who do the dirty work of the 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 institutions the truly yeah. powerful and we discuss characters of these kind in the last you know everyone just go back and listen to our devils episode again it's um, a really good episode <laughs> thank you um so we mentioned Mary the weaver and i i need to talk a little bit about the woman who played her um she's named Marin peterson and christensen found her uh, selling flowers on the street. Uh, she was 78 and impoverished. This was a person with no acting experience. Um, I think she was a nurse in mm-hmm. her early life, but you know, then she fell into poverty and she just basically sold whatever she could to kind of get by. And a lot of the the scant biographical information that you get about her like leads you to kind of wonder what the experience of making this movie was like you know again like no this was not like a character actress mm-hmm. you know this was um well, what do you call that um this was and you know this was a thing that later filmmakers would would do as well is basically using like untrained actors you know Pasolini did it um i think Cassavetes did it um, but there's a funny quote in the Stevenson book, um, and I'll just read it because it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, I don't want to say horrifying, but, um, it, it goes this way. Christensen himself hailed her as excellent in the torture scenes, although he would state that at no point whatsoever did she have any idea what the whole thing was about. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> Ooh. um, so basically you have a scene um, of this, and you know, people, it's, it's really easy to like infantilize people and be like, oh, I shouldn't know what the fuck was going on. You know, like I, I, 
don't believe that she was like too dumb to understand like you know that they weren't like i mean you can't be in production on a film set and like not understand that you're play acting right um but you know when like looking at those torture scenes and also the fact that apparently at one point um and i don't know if this was just due to the difficulty of of uh, directing a 70 year old woman with no prior experience christensen attached a leash to her leg to move her back and forth in front of the camera Ooh. Like he would pull, pull on the leash to get her to move. <laughs> and, you know, this is silent films. Like, you can talk to the actors as you're rolling, but maybe maybe that wasn't working. But, like, the, the image of, you know, the, the director, like, pulling around this old woman <laughs> by a leash. I mean, at least it wasn't around her neck, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that is an interesting point because, um, I mean... Uh, one would assume that, like, yeah, she she understands that it's play acting. Um, you know, we're 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 not really being tortured. Hopefully, she's not really being tortured. They're not that method. Um, but I mean, it is. She's seventy eight. She's never been in not just not in film, but she's never acted before. And nineteen twenty two film is fairly new, isn't it? I mean. It would it be would it be fair to say that she might have never known what a movie was, and she might be like, "Yeah, we're acting. I don't know why there's no audience watching us. I'm really not sure what's going on with that. That's weird." <laughs> well, know? I would think she... that um, I think that the the Danish film industry like was a thing at at the time. Whether or not she went to movies like as an impoverished person, um, okay, so I don't know. Okay, I mean that's what I was wondering about. So if if film was. Uh, common enough that she would have been aware of it. Yeah, it's uh, incredibly cause... hard in, like, as, you know, we in our completely media-saturated society, it's really hard to put yourself in the mind of people who are not bombarded by moving images like night and day. Like, yeah. it's, it's really hard to conceive of, of how this woman would have conceptualized what Christensen had her doing. Yeah. Um, she also he he does towards the end have that little bit where he um where he has her kind of you know break character and mm-hmm. uh, repeat a little story that um, about her experience with with the actual real devil. Um, yes, yeah, she says the devil is real. I have seen him sitting at my bedside. Which you know. Um, Christensen kind of plays it off like, oh, even today in the enlightened era of 1922, people still believe in like wacky stuff. Um, and you know, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> um, actually, like, hang on one sec, because I think, um, geez, I feel like there was a an anecdote that might uh, play into this. Well, you know, I mean, people did believe in wacky stuff they still do my great-grandmother always like told a story about like how she uh, yelled at her mom and that night the devil visited her in the form of a big black dog and uh <laughs> was yeah, he just we mad or <laughs> i'm not sure he just well, when, when we were kids we were just like you know when i heard that story it was like what the fuck <laughs> what? <laughs> what you know so uh you know as a kid that always used to freak me out so never yell at your mom Oh, okay. Well, here's here's something from uh, the Stevenson book about uh, about his interactions with Marin Peterson. Um, like, well, first of all, the first time she saw him in his devil makeup, uh, she practically fainted. 
He was like, oh, nice to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, you know, I know, you know, she's like, you know, okay, look, look, devil. I know we got a thing going on by the bedside, but we got to be professional on set. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess this is, this will kind of illuminate like how it went down. Cause she saw him, she saw him dressed as the devil. She was freaking out. And then he asked her, how do you know what the devil looks like? Mm-hmm. And she showed him a picture from a prayer book. And she said, like, this, this is the f- fucking devil, you devil. Um, and he tried to explain to her that that was only a picture and the devil isn't, like, a thing. It doesn't exist. Um, is that the prayer book that he shows in the movie? Because yes. he does show a prayer book. And I wasn't clear from the way he described it whether – he said that someone showed it to him. And it wasn't – I didn't realize that was actually the same the, – the, the actress – yeah, that. Oh, you know what? Like, I, I totally misinterpreted this anecdote because, like, earlier I was I was reviewing this book earlier in the day and to prep for the episode, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I read I read that last anecdote kind of quickly. Um, she had seen the devil with her own two eyes. Sometimes at night he came to her and sat down on the edge of her bed, and she would throw the sheets up over her head in fright and pray to the Lord three times. After that, as a rule, he was usually gone when she peeked back out. I was skimming this book earlier, and I thought, I was like, wait, like, Christensen came and sat on her bed and freaked her out? What? <laughs> what, what an dick. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny if, like, uh, like that's terrible. Like, if he if he would come around in his devil makeup and be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> he's like, he's like I, I'm not breaking character. He's, like, basically the Jared Leto of his day, where he's like, I'm never, I'm always gonna be on as the devil while we're while the production's on he's, he's like a jim carrey playing fucking uh, andy kaufman <laughs> just like doing devil stuff on the set so like, i assume he waggled his tongue around a lot and like popped up from behind chairs so then we're like in the 1920s press they're like uh um you know benjamin christensen he's all his, his co-stars like oh he's he's great he just he never stops like he he uh i, I wasn't even i wasn't sure where he where he stopped and then again <laughs> he like, mailed you know, me a dead rat it was hilarious yeah like i was like you know just walking around and suddenly he appears and he was like waggling his tongue oh it was great <laughs> <laughs> man i'd say that guy's truly twisted <laughs> <laughs> so okay like that um so i basically misinterpreted a story which is related in the fucking film that i just watched okay like um my brain is broken anyway um suffice to say um we could maybe have a debate about whether or not he was ex- exploiting this this poor old woman a little bit but um the, according to the book she also enjoyed um getting rides home in a car Oh, well, hey. Um, well, yeah, that was a novelty at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so she, uh, they they uh, assert that she did actually enjoy the attention. And who knows, maybe she was, she was sharper than we're giving her credit for, you know. Um, so I can't call this breaking the fourth wall, because that's like a character directly addressing the audience. Like, Christensen, I guess, is playing, and like, he's in kind of a... Uh, an omnipresent narrator addressing the uh, audience. He's more like a professor, basically. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, he relates this anecdote about, and you know, it's like it's interesting, like the kind of peek behind the curtain. You know, it's like, oh, 
my this actress, she's an actress who you just saw playing a kind of harrowing scene. It's not real, folks. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, they're, they're doing a thing like, oh, it's all just movie magic. Yeah, which um, I don't know if maybe, like, maybe that takes the, the sting out of it a little bit. Um, I mean, the movie still was like we said earlier, very controversial at the time. Um, and again, like there's the, and I guess this, this, um, you know, after the, the, the insanity of the, the witch hunt narrative, um, that brings us to the modern era, the 20th century. Mm. Um, in the sequence, it's, it, in the sequence which bores everyone apparently like no one no one likes the last part where um <laughs> christensen um asserts that uh which hysteria is the same as the hysteria of today which um leads otherwise normal young women to compulsively light matches and sleepwalk and steal things <laughs> yeah basically the same thing because the ending is basically just like, oh, here's a modern woman afflicted with modern hysteria. Um, but I love that, and again, this was kind of the the era of psychoanalysis. And I love that psychoanalysis is always shit, is always shit like this, where it's like, oh, um, she compulsively lights matches. It's because at one point a fire broke out in her home. Whoa. Ugh. It's like, wow, how did you think of that with your big fat brain? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, um, and you know, that's not not even psychoanalysis. That's literally like one to one. It's like, (laughs) oh, uh, it's, it's a little, because if it was proper psychoanalysis, it'd be like, oh, she likes matches because she wants to fuck her dad. (laughs) This is just like, oh, she likes matches because she's scared of fire. Uh, and it's like, if someone like, Someone is, uh, it's, um, but if it's you like were scared some... of fire, wouldn't you not light matches? Oh, maybe it's, uh, it's, um, what do you call it? Uh, exposure therapy. So she's running her own exposure therapy. Yeah. Well, you know, While she's sleepwalking. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and this was, um, you know, this was pre, like, any real understanding of, of the human brain or kind of the organic, um, origins of of mental illness i mean you know we're still calling it hysteria yeah you know and um christensen also draws a parallel between the kind of uh comfortable bourgeois clinic where the kleptomaniac um uh match lighting woman goes for a rest quote unquote and the um, kind of like the cold showers that they give them. He draws a parallel between that and like the, you know, the burning of witches, which is like, you know, that's that's a little bit of a reach, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you feel like he's, um, I feel that he's sort of pitying women. And we could have like a whole other hour discussion about, um, uh, Christensen's depiction of women not not because I want to go like all all SJW and say like oh this is awful but um you know he does kind of um make women as these uh out to be these um persecuted figures mm. you know from and you're you're coming from you're going from the witch of these medieval times to the the kind the modern woman beset 
by mental problems and like unable to control herself and being confined to a clinic. I mean, she's not she's not being tortured with thumbscrews, but and this was a time when um, this was a time when psychiatry, such as it was, was very brutal because you know they did give people ice baths and restrain them, and you know. What we really have to realize from this is that just a simple fact that men and women do have different biology and women have smaller thinking bones than men. So they're more prone to things like hysteria um, and, uh, you know, be having their um, having their uh, the uteruses fall out and uh, make them go crazy. <laughs> but I mean, the um, it, it's uh, it's. I don't know. It's it's like kind of like a von Trier movie because you know the women are <laughs> the women suffer and the men like perpetrate that suffering on women. Yeah. Well, you know, um, he's not wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, he's uh, you know, Christensen. He's 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 kind of got that part. Um, yeah, I mean, even in in it when he says like in in these times of witch hysteria, it was dangerous to be oh, old and ugly, but it's also dangerous to be young and pretty. So yeah, you know, again, not wrong. Of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's uh, he doesn't always uh, come out and say it, but it's very but it's very easy to to read between the lines and you know see like yeah, this is a sexual hysteria, and you know. Um, as always, these things always go back to the sexual pathology, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be like the one, um, there is one sop to kind of like um, structural or inequality with a, an inner title that says, We no longer burn our older poor, but do they not suffer bitterly? Makes you, th well, yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, hey, he saw, look, he saw firsthand. Um, what's her name? His actress. She spent her whole life working as a nurse, and uh, she's in poverty in her old age, you know, forced to scrap by. Yeah. And what does that say? In, what does that say? In Denmark, possibly the most egalitarian social democracy of them all, and yet look, it's still there. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or even back then. <laughs> I, but, you know. I, I am not qualified to speak on, on uh, the social structure of Denmark or the government of Denmark in the 20s, but... <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, it's just... But, yeah, I mean, that's just... I think in those, probably in those days anywhere it was that was just the the brutal reality is like you get too old to work you either hope you have kids take care of you or you uh you die you know yeah. yeah and um you know and i think you know in the 20s is when we saw the first stirrings of a a, a social conscious to the degree that maybe as a society we have an obligation to um those people who can't uh, take care of themselves, such as the elderly and, you know, the impoverished and, um, you know, and not that we've got, not that, that we've done very well at those things, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, that's, but yeah, I mean, not so long before this movie came out, it was like, yeah, children work in a factory, right? That's good. <laughs> well, yeah. And this, um, you know, Christensen was making a movie at like a very, um, turbulent time for, um, you know these kind of like nascent movements for human rights and and labor. Well, food for food for thought. Food for thought. Um, yeah. So uh, that's that's Haxon. We should talk a little bit about the um, reaction to it at the time. There's a little bit of a mixed response to it. Um, it did do well in 
um, Sweden and Denmark. I don't think that it, it made its money back there, but it did do well in Germany. Um, Catholic pressure kind of, um, led them to cut it. Ah, in that country, all good things. yeah, Ca- that man. The only thing that Catholics love more than flagellating themselves is censoring films. <laughs> yeah, seriously, they Thank love you, it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so it did well in Germany, and um, to a degree that Christensen was actually invited to make films in in Germany. Um, he also, um, just quick sideline, he did go to Hollywood, and you know he worked with um you know some names like uh norma shearer and lon cheney but he didn't have very much success um he had a couple of hits but his experience was so negative that he went back to denmark in 1929 Uh, he came back again in the 30s but you know he you know the results were even less good then so long story short he came back to denmark for good and ran a movie theater and died at the age of 79. You know, it sounds like his experience uh, with Hollywood was very similar to another uh, um, Danish auteur, uh, the Highway to Hell guy. No, actually, because that guy's Dutch. Oh, never mind. <laughs> well, wait, it's the same thing, right? So I, I, mean... thought, I, thought you were gonna, I, I thought you were going to say, this puts me in mind of the great filmmaker and compatriot of Christensen, Carl Theodore Dreyer. <laughs> and I was like, damn, Mike is fucking educated. <laughs> I have no clue who that is, actually. <laughs> Wait, we got, you, now you have to explain it. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to admit that I didn't know who it was, but then I was like, okay, maybe I can. Um, Dreyer was, he was another Danish filmmaker. He made, um, he made Passion of Joan of Arc. Oh, Carl Theodore Dreyer. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I told no. I, I still don't know that. <laughs> I'm I'm not the film person here. <laughs> I don't know why you asked me to come on a film podcast. Honestly, <laughs> if you ask me, like, what's the what's the what's the greatest uh, film of all time? I'm like, well, obviously, Independence Day. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> oh, I just, I just think it's interesting. <laughs> well, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a film podcast in the year 2019 if we, if it wasn't just full of ignorant shit. So. Yeah. You know <laughs> but, what I hate? I hate when films try to like insert politics in them and like, I hate when they have like things like themes or messages or like you know um co- co- plots that's all bad <laughs> dad <laughs> um anyway um so i was talking about so brief sideline about uh christians brief sideline about christensen's career uh it didn't work out for, for him in hollywood um but he seemed to have retired uh with reasonable comfort in denmark um the movie again um i think intrigued the public um but also the you know we spent a lot of time discussing the relative salaciousness of the content you know so it kind of had that element to it um and critics were also somewhat divided so there was actually a pretty robust debate about uh censorship and you know the appropriateness of what christensen had made um, 
And the other thing is that, um, and this is something that Stevenson mentions in his book, is that this was a very anomalous film at the time. Um, again, because uh, documentary as a form was essentially non-existent. He was breaking new ground. Um, this wasn't a typical narrative of the kind of, you know, it wasn't a love story. It wasn't like action or, you know, it was historical, but, you know, it's didactic quality is kind of made it stand apart so like it was very singular but mostly what got people obviously was the uh the the horror and the the sexual content and there's a reviewer of the time quoted in again the stevenson book and um this is what he what he uh, this is an excerpt from what he said had Christensen said, I have the money which shall be used to make a film only intended to be screened for the scientifically educated, for the authorities, and for seasoned professionals, no one would object. But when he throws open the doors to the masses and shows it to the young women of the town and the office worker Hansen and his beloved under the guise of education, then one must protest and in the name of film protest it forcefully. Uh, how, how dare you, sir? <laughs> you know, fuck it, like, you know, Hanson, like, we know that guy can't handle it. Yeah, it's like the 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 the, the proles are too stupid to like uh, <laughs> see this sort of thing. Well, yeah, and you know, that's exactly why I wanted to illuminate that quote. Is this is a theme which returns again and again and again. Not just with film, but with any art where it's like, well, you know, like educated men of the world like us, you know, we can handle this, but <laughs> you can't just show this to the the lumpen. Like, yeah, they're <laughs> crazy. I mean, you know, we in they invented film to be, you know, the thing for the dummies who can't understand legitimate theater. <laughs> so clearly you can't make stuff like this. Because um, it's it's gonna inflame their base passions. They're gonna you know they're gonna watch this and then they're all gonna want to go home and fuck the devil. <laughs> God, the devil's so fucking sexy. Um, yeah, oh, man. I totally forgot the bit where like the devil is like you know giving that nun you know a um you know a knife and he's all like yeah you know you're. Um, here's a knife and then they have that kind of like weird uh, shot of like jesus kind of like you know fading in and being oh, looking yeah. sad yeah she had like i i guess the nun has a brief vision of the christ before she yeah. stabs that wafer this is a strong uh strong tea <laughs> for the for yeah. the public um but yeah like and really again it's it's funny how, you know, we've been having the same argument since before 1922, you know, yeah. about, um, you know, again, there's that fear of the unwashed, uneducated masses. Um, of course, there is a, um, I didn't, it's not in the quote that I read, but in the article, there is a definite think of the children mm, vibe. Yeah. Um, and there's a further quote. You know, and this is, again, you know, people always have this reaction when it comes to the depiction of violence or sexuality or anything um, potentially ugly or upsetting on screen. Um, 
the reviewer says, when one lectures to a general public and attempts to teach them about the darkness of ancient times, one assumedly does so without unveiling a series of exhibits which drip with blood and border on the pornographic. One must trust that said lecturer has the ability to reproduce these images in such a way that they do not disgust or titillate the audience. Benjamin Christensen lacks this ability, and he has caused great offense. So yeah, yeah you're offended. Oh, the snowflake is triggered. Yeah, it's like, Benjamin Christensen, you didn't bore it down enough. <laughs> well, and it's funny because, um, like, and, you know, I've talked about stuff like this in the pod before, you know, things like Last Temptation of Christ, where people were mad that Christ was actually tempted. <laughs> this, uh, and, you know, that's pro- this is probably just the way that, you know, the that your, your, uh, your humble host's minds work, but, you know, we tend to get very frustrated with with people who confuse depiction with endorsement mm, yeah well yeah i mean if if uh if if you weren't if you weren't endorsing it you wouldn't put it on film <laughs> but i mean um but thinking about it in this case it's like like let's be real like christensen put a lot of the stuff on camera because it's fucking cool yeah yeah <laughs> which is true it is like, very cool like like this stuff is it's like this is all metal as fuck like we want to see a fucking witch's sabbath it's fucking cool <laughs> you know what i was actually thinking looking at this i was like man this would actually be kind of interesting to see um uh to see this movie redone in the sense um I don't know. I, I, Jen, you've probably, I mean, you've seen it or heard of it. There's a, there's an updated version of Dr. Caligari that was made in the eighties. There is. And there is. It's well, call me educated. A, oh, I actually yeah, did not know that. Have you seen this? I have. <laughs> it's, um, it's very bizarre because it's basically, uh, it is a, um, it's, it's kind of a comedy, but it's uh, it's basically presented as an updating of you know Caligari. It's it's like okay, the uh, granddaughter of the original Caligari runs an insane asylum now, and it's a lot of weird stuff happening there. But it's filmed with the same like bizarro angles and like just just you know. I guess I should say uh, what is it expressionist um, sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that it's like a very smart film, but it is very entertaining uh, to see that a uh, lot of like wacky stuff happening in it. Um, and I would be very interested to see Haxon kind of receive a similar treatment where it could be remade uh, in the modern modern filmmaking, but keeping the same sensibilities uh, as it has here. Um, but, you know, I mean, we oh, don't yeah. need, it doesn't need to be. It's, it's good as it is. Yeah, um, Dr. Caligari, 1989 American avant-garde horror erotic film. It's, um, I would, it's, I would say that it's, uh, it's worth checking out. Um, you, you might, you might do it for the podcast. Um, it might be fun. If anyone from B-Movie TV is listening, this is something that you might want to put on, uh, on your channel. It's good. Um, I think it's made by the same people who did uh, Night Dreams, which I think is just a straight-up porno that oh. I've never actually <laughs> seen, so I don't know. Well, hey, we all love porno. <laughs> yeah. As, as, uh, as, a, as a member of the, uh, the unwashed lumpen proletariat, I love my pornography and violence. Yes. Good stuff. <laughs> Second verse, same as the first. Um <laughs> And one of the things that Stevenson points out in his book is that um, this kind of prefigured the reaction to the exploitation cinema of the 30s, um, where the 
intent was definitely to titillate the audience, um, but they kind of framed it as educational, um, specifically films like Reefer Madness um, or Maniac, um, which is like the inner titles try to present it as a serious study of psychosis, but it is just an excuse for violence, animal cruelty, and in one scene, tits. Yeah. Um, Because, um, and you know, those kind of contrast with Christensen's film where I feel he was a hundred percent sincere in his desire to educate the public as well as titillate them. I mean, you don't collect a trunk full of books and print up a flyer for the audience to read on the opening night. If you're just like, yeah, look at this chick's ass. She's going to fuck the devil. Yeah. Also, I mean, like, yeah, like it's, that's erotic, but you know, you can't say that he didn't do his homework. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, I mean, it is remarkably restrained considering the subject matter. And part of that probably might be, well, he just couldn't get away with something worse. But, I mean, there are relatively few asses in this movie. Um, I mean, when they show and when they show them kissing the devil's ass, I mean, you look at it, it's like, yeah, they're just, you know, kissing the fleshy part on the cheek, right? They're not, like, tonguing his, like, anus, like, you or anything. <laughs> that's in the uh, that's in the director's cut. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you watch it and you'll be like, well, that wouldn't count in real life. You know, <laughs> the devil's you know, like, like, come on, make a real kiss. Give me a smacker yeah. right on yeah. the right on the old Satan hole. <laughs> all, all the like, you know, the witches are watching it. They're like fake. <laughs> witches are witches are coming out all like offended. Like that was such bullshit. It's it's funny because um, the, the other the other thing that I think distinguishes it from exploitation is Christensen is also concerned with the pain that this causes to the people suffering in it. Mm. Like it isn't just like, Oh man, like look at this shit. You know, it like it is, it is, it is definitely, um, I don't want to say titillating, but, um, well, it is, it is piquant to see the, um, the actual torture devices, you know, and it's, there yeah. is that element, you know, it's the same thing, which drives, people today to stuff like live leak it's you know it's like you have to rubberneck yeah but there is still that um there is still that element of like this is really terrible like look what we do to human bodies you know we break people these are people who suffered you know these people were unfairly persecuted you know yeah um so it i i feel that the film you know that maybe the reviewers are off the point a little bit you know it's like like there is a humanistic element to this film it isn't mere titillation um but you know the other thing is like he made a hell of an entertaining film like even as even in a film which is like half the director lecturing the viewer it is still entertaining as hell that was something that they weren't yeah. able to do in the 50s like a lot a lot of those like really cheap um you know universal like science fiction films in the in the 50s and it like um specifically i think mole people like opens with a professor describing like different conceptions of what's in the core of the earth and it is like the most boring shit ever <laughs> But, like, Christensen is a professor that you might actually want to have, because, like, he's, you know, he makes learning fun. Yeah. 
you know, he's like, uh, everyone's like, you gotta, you gotta take Christensen's class. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, don't bother buying the book. Just go to the lectures. They're really lit. <laughs> you should have seen the film we saw the other day, dude. Uh, you know, he grades on a curve. There's a midterm and a final, you know, two chili peppers. They'll be fine. <laughs> Because he really makes a sexy devil. That's why he gets that chili pepper. (laughs) (laughs) He's the cool professor who, like, dresses up on Halloween. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I bet he did. I bet he would. Um, okay, so that's, damn, that's Haxon. We, we squeezed a lot out of this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's definitely um, something everyone should see for an experience for themselves. So uh, if you've enjoyed listening about Haxon, why not check it out for yourself? Yeah, I agree. It's something that, um, it, it's, it's one of those, uh, you know, people like to make those cheesy lists, like 1,000 films you must see before you die. But, um, you know, I think this one is an all-timer, like, definitely worth a look. It's regarded as Christensen's best film. Um, and also, we have a lot to, we have a lot to plug for our guest, because, you know, as you heard, he's a, he's an expert on witch hunting. So, um, please do check out, uh, Mike Rosen's version of the Malleus Maleficarum at fine booksellers near you. Buy my book. Also, uh, you can you can follow him you can follow him at uh, Bitter Corella on Twitter if uh, his description of the fat monk aroused you in any way. Yes, I've got plenty more where that came from. So. <laughs> <laughs>